Yes. Hi, everybody. We are live across three social media platforms tonight. First time ever. Talk about going first. You've heard my wife say this many a times. We are now live streaming on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you hear a little noise in the background, that is my dog Byron snoring. Um, I'm so excited to be here. I'll wait a little bit for everybody to get on. Um, as you can see, uh, founder of Team Series Tri Club. You can see our website link up there. And I'm going live tonight to talk about um, all things racing, race calendar, how to plan it, race scheduling, uh, race preparation and all the training that we put into our key races, some of the key workouts. Um, we're also going to talk about race day. We're going to talk about nutrition on race day and we're going to talk about tapering and we're going to talk about actual race day and my formula for race day. So we're talking all things racing, which is really cool. So I'm just going to wait a little bit longer for people to jump on. And I don't know where how I can find my chats, but I know that I can see a chat in here somehow. I'm just going to move my screen because right now I cannot see it. Where is it? Becky, do you know how to find my chat? So I can't see it right now. Um, I can't see any chats, but hopefully Becky will text me on how to see the comments coming up. Oh, I know. I just hit comments on the top right. There we go. So please, guys, comment from where you are tuning in from. I would love to hear where everybody's coming from um, and what races you guys plan to do this year because I am going to be talking about all things racing. I'll just wait a little bit longer before I start. So we've only got a couple of people on. Hopefully get a few more. I see a couple more people coming on. Brenda from Orlando, how are you? I have never been there, but I would love to go there. Do you guys have any triathlons in your area? What's your key race for this year? Let us know where you're tuning in from and what your key race is for this year. DC, Megan Newman, my amazing athlete, is in the house. I tell you what, Megs, you're so dedicated. Um, this athlete never misses a beat. She's amazing. And watch this space because this is going to be her year. Miss Megan Newman. So I'll wait a couple more minutes and then I'm going to tell you too we're doing a giveaway. I'm going to give away this Rudy Project official world championship trucker. So you only can have this if you went to the Big Island for the world championships. It's official world championship trucker. That's why it says number one Kona. And please let me know, guys, you can hear me all okay. Um, let me know that you can hear me all okay because I want to make sure that everyone can hear what I'm saying. We're also going to give away my, my Pharma Green F2C, one of our amazing sponsors. Um, we're going to give away a sample because this is their new protein powder. Mary McDonald in the house. Yay. Mm -hmm. How are you? Uh, one of my other athletes is on. Masumi, how are you? I hope you had a good day at work from Broomfield, another Colorado on. I love you. Masumi was at one of our training camps last year. It was amazing. Um, okay, so we're going to get started. And remember, if you have questions, and don't forget the giveaway at the end, if you stay until the end, um, today is all about race strategy, leading up to the race, our race calendar, how to plan, and then if we can get through everything, we're going to do race day nutrition, race equipment, my little tips and my go-tos, my quick hacks for race day, um, tips and equipment, and then if we have time, we'll do recovery as well. Trisha, hello. Hello, Nadine. How are you? Okay, so we're going to jump in. We're going to start with planning your race schedule or your race season or planning your race calendar. So how do we normally do that? So someone actually had a question about that and planning an Ironman and a 70.3 and how to space them. So I'm going to go through that first. So when we talk to our athletes about their race season, what we normally do is we say we want you to pick an A race, a B race, and a C race ideally. We usually say don't try to do more than one to two Ironmans a year unless you're a professional like the Von Bangalore and that can race every single day and not get injured or uh, really fatigued and she used to do back-to-back -back Ironmans. But we say try to choose a key race. If your key race is going to be an Ironman as your A race, you kind of want a B race as your 70.3, then a couple of Olympics, um, Olympics sprinkled out throughout the year. So if you've had like... Let's give you two examples. If you've had a really long off season and some of my athletes, I try to tell them don't have two months off. So it's going to take you two months to get back. But if you've had a really long off season, um, you want to try and plan your A race 
especially if it's an Ironman, more towards the middle slash end of the year. So you can have a good build up from the off season. Um, if you've been training like most Aussies do, like I used to all the year round, you haven't had a huge amount of time off. You've still been ticking it along, doing your aerobic work and your strength work and sprinkling a little bit of intensity in there. Um, you can probably aim towards more of a key race. If, if it's, we're talking Ironman first, towards the middle of the year, like May, June, right? So you still ideally want a 16-week build-up uh, before your key Ironman race at least, especially if you've had a little bit of time off. Okay, six months is ideal. Six months is the ideal leader. If 70.3 is your key race for the year, like your A race, um, really I say you need three to four months to prepare for something like that. Most of our programs are 16 or 23 weeks. So if you're having time off around Christmas, Hey, love from Chicago. Love it. Kath Carpenter. How are you, Kristen? Yay. Um, your 70.3 year goal races, I would give you three to month, three to four months lead up. And you want to try and pick a sprint race or an Olympic. Um, no more, no closer than two weeks out, right? So you still need a three to four month lead up for your key 70.3 race. Um, and the reason why we say not to do more than two Ironmans a year is it just, it honestly is so hard to recover from an Ironman. Your heart's bruised, your lungs bruised. The recovery it takes from an Ironman compared to a 70.3 race is like twofold. It can take two months just for your heart muscle to repair. So we always say ideally one Ironman a year, and it always also slows you down for the shorter stuff. Like anytime you put an Ironman on your legs, it's going to slow you down. It slows down you down your fast twitch fibers. It starts to slow them down. It starts to, or your intermediate fibers, and you just it does, it's not great if your goal is to go really fast in a seventy point three. So one a year, and then seventy point threes you can do several. You can do three or four and recover quite well from doing three or four races. I used to do five to six and then one Ironman. That was it. Um, okay, so that's that's kind of our strategy for planning your race season. You want to a b and a c race because as we all know. COVID, that Ironman and, and Challenge and all the races that have been cancelled a lot over the last two years. It's been so hard for everyone, pros and age groupers and newbies, because they're constantly having to re-strategize and replan and everyone's had two years off basically racing. And um, it just makes it, so, it gives you a lot of anxiety as well, but also makes it so hard to plan. So you want to have that B race in case your A race is cancelled or in case something comes up with family or work, or you get an injury, and then the focus will go to more towards the B race, or you talk to your coach and you strategize on what is the next thing. Okay, so what is the next thing? So that's that's really how we would plan our race calendar for the year. If you have any questions on specifically planning a race, let me know. Um, I know we did have or your key races or where to put them. I know we had a question on how close. The question was how close should an, uh, your 70.3 race be to your key race if your key race is an Ironman? What's the closest you could do before an Ironman as a pre-race? So I would say um, no closer than three weeks out, preferably four. Two weeks out doing a 70.3, especially before an Ironman, is a little too much. I would ideally do three to four weeks out. So we do race simulations, which are pre-race bricks, similar to the race, never the race distance, but close to it. We strategically do a reverse engineer when we plan our athletes' uh, training. So you will do a key brick 16 weeks out, a key brick 12 weeks out, a key brick eight weeks out, and a key brick four weeks out. If you don't know what a brick is, guys, it's swim, bike, run, or just a swim bike, or it could be just a bike run. Any sort of a session where it's two two workouts is called is a brick. So we will do usually a swim bike, but mostly a bike run uh, key brick. And it'll get harder and longer efforts as it gets closer to race day and then from four, sorry, to four weeks out, and then we'll start to taper back a little bit. So you want to build up your race pace efforts over the four months leading up to your key race. You might only start at three to four minutes at your race pace effort, and then leading up to four weeks out, you might be up to 15, even 30, even an hour at your goal race pace effort. All of our training, if you know Team Series Tri Club, you know Siri Lindley, myself, my wife, most of you know her. All of our training plans are based on perceived effort or rate of perceived exertion. They're not based on, not generally based on metrics or heart rate zones. And we say this because firstly, we see athletes come to us and they go to another level and their heart rate zones become almost um what's it called, uh, non-existent because they're, they're, they've improved so much. But secondly, we, we want to try and get away from constantly judging and constantly gauging ourselves. And your power numbers are going to go up also. I'm exercise science background, so I get that. Some people want to work on power, and we can do that too. I, I do love doing that sometimes. But the focus for us is always rate of perceived exertion or effort. So if we say go and do an hour at Ironman pace effort, that is an hour at whatever you think you can hold for an Ironman on that day. 
Okay, that's how we coach our athletes, all rated perceived exertion. You'll see that throughout the program. If anyone's on here that has a program and has questions about that, pop that up too because it can be a little confusing sometimes. And those guys that are really metrics-driven, it's a very different approach. But I tell you, Brett Sutton does it. Siri Lindley does it. And I'm not saying that there isn't time and and, and it isn't, it's wrong to use metrics because a lot of coaches coach by that. When you're looking at the top 2%, sometimes they need to come into account. But if you're just an age grouper or a beginner or someone that's trying to improve, um, the only time we'll do, use metrics is if we're doing a 20-minute max test or a 400-minute time trial in the pool or, say, an hour build time trial or a 5K time trial or something like that where we're really focused on where are they now and where do we need them to be or how much have they improved. And um, But mostly it's all by feel. So let us know what your thoughts are on that. But that's basically how we train our athletes. Um, if you've got questions, please, please put them up here. Um, Kath Carpenter, still figuring out, want to do my first 70.3. Yay! In early fall, Madison, Frankfurt or Muncie taking puppy out and we'll rejoin. Okay. <laughs> 70.3. Yeah, I've got lots of um, advice on that if you need any advice on that as well for your first race. But that's kind of where we're going here. So um, I talked about reverse engineering our training plans. Um, if you have questions on specific workouts, I can go into more detail on another talk about that. But basically, you want to start with shorter efforts, sprinkling in a little bit of race pace efforts, like starting three to four months out, and then slowly increase the time of the race pace efforts and your intensity of your intervals and, and hard max efforts and hard efforts as you get fitter and increase the time, the, the duration as well. So as you get fitter and fitter, you want to be able to hold those efforts longer. And we also include strength. We also include VO2 max work. We also include high intensity intervals. We include threshold work. We include um, low end and high end aerobics. So long aerobic sessions. So all of that needs to be part of your training. You can't neglect any of those. All of that should be part of your training program. And if you're with us and using our plans and you'll know what I'm saying there. Okay. So remember also practice nutrition. We had a question about nutrition. You want to be practicing that. It's really hard to practice that in shorter um, training workouts but when you're doing these key bricks say from sort of 16 weeks out usually we do for say an Ironman it's five to six hours of a key brick and then we start adding intervals the intensity and race pace efforts as we get closer to the race but you want to be practicing nutrition and hydration start using what you're going to use on race day even find out what they're using in the race and start trying that because sometimes you can't always carry your own nutrition on the bike you sometimes have to use race nutrition as well so I would say start practicing it in training and see what feels better for you some people prefer just liquid some people prefer solid and liquid some people prefer just liquid or just solid. So you've got to work out what's right for you. For me personally, it's a very personal thing. I used to carry all my concentrated carbs in a liquid. The F2C glycodurance is amazing and it has electrolyte as well. And you carry that as a concentrate in your bottle and you just constantly are sipping on water um, while you're having that. But I also like to have bars, like to have a little bit of solid. For the run, not so much. Gels and, and liquid, it's very hard to digest, let alone breathe. <laughs> while you're running so you want to try and have more liquid keep the, the gels more towards the run and try and get your concentrated carbs in something like an f2c glycodurance or one of these um these uh carbo drink products that a lot of the uh the nutrition companies are putting out but test and trial and in training and use it in your key bricks like your for, for ironman it'd be five or six hour key bricks that you're doing like several weeks out almost every weekend you should be doing that and your long bikes as well and your long runs and then um, for 70.3, um, again, you're doing three to four hour bricks and you want to be practicing that um, nutrition during leading up to three to four months before the race. Just keep practicing and how your body's digesting it. And quick tip here on nutrition. For every, say this is a gel and it's 25 grams, for every 25 grams, you need minimum 250 mils of water. So you add a zero. So if it's a 250-gram gel, you need 250 mils of water. But ideally, which I've been told by top nutritionists now, you actually almost need double that, which is so hard to have one gel, 25 grams, and then drink 500 mils of water this much each gel. It seems like a lot to me. But I used to stick to minimum for um, every – so for every example, every 10 grams, it's 100 mils of water. Every 25-gram gel, 250 mils of water. And you want to have water – not electrolyte because that's highly concentrated. If you try to drink electrolyte to get down that gel, then you're having like another 10 or 15 grams of electrolyte and then it's just getting so really hard for your stomach to absorb those carbs. So remember, flush it with water and try to eat regularly, guys. When you're practicing in uh, in training, try to eat regularly every 20 to 30 minutes because that's what you want to be doing race day. 
Um, have a bottle, mark out the bottle of like, say your bike's going to take you five hours, mark out each hour and then just know every hour you should have had where that level is on the bottle. Or if you're using gels, it's a lot easier because you can calculate it. But it really is a chess game and it's really a mathematical game, our nutrition. The only thing really that can let you down in a race, obviously if you haven't done the work, that's going to let you down, but is the mindset and your nutrition. And you have to really strategize. I see people going into races all the time with no plan. They have no idea how many grams of carbs they're eating. It's just crazy. Or they're not drinking enough fluid or they don't have enough salt. Like there's so many things and it's kind of, I feel like it's a little bit of my superpower with um, my coaching having exercise science and nutrition background that I love doing this stuff. And it's once you've got it down pat, it sounds like it's not rocket science once you have it down pat. You just need to know how much you are taking based on your body weight. So a really quick guide, I don't know if anyone's on there, but maybe they can write this up for me, is one gram of carbohydrate per kilo of body weight per hour. I'm 60 kilos, so I was taking in at least 60 grams of carbs per hour. I was actually having closer to 1.5 grams of carbs per kilo of body weight per hour um, on the bike so that I didn't have to top up too much on the run. I would just be topping up on the run. I wouldn't have to load carb load on the run. Um, Okay, so we've talked about that. And obviously, race day nutrition, same thing. One gram of carbs per kilo of body weight per hour minimum with that water every time you're drinking the, the, the carbs. And don't just whack in 100 grams of carbs and then a liter of water. Space it out every 20 to 30 minutes. Set your timer on your watch. Count it down every 20 to 30 minutes. And know you just you don't feel like eating, trust me. You just want to be consistently constantly eating, honestly, especially for Ironman. And you guys that are doing halves that are going to take like six hours. That's two-thirds of an Ironman for me. I was around nine hours. But that's a long time to be out there. You've got to be so focused on that nutrition because it can really let you down. Um, and people forget after the swim, 30-minute swim, okay, that's 30 grams of carbs if you're someone like me, 60 kilos, and some people forget to take that. All right, so you've carb-loaded the night before, but you've got to keep topping up. You can only store 90 minutes worth of carbohydrate in your glycogen stores. So you could not eat for 90 minutes and then you're bonked because you've got no stores left. So remember that. That's all you can store in your body. Um, Okay, then we were going to talk about going into the race and an ideal race week taper. So any nutrition questions, put them up, guys, and I'll perfect, Trisha, 20 minutes, unreal. Um, any, any nutrition questions, put them up. I'll quickly answer this one. Brenda, hi, Brenda. She's asking, high humidity significantly impacts – oh, no, I can't see it. Where did it go? Something about high humidity – oh, there we go. Thank you. High humidity significantly impacts my perceived exertion. How do you gauge effort when factoring weather? Well, that's why you use perceived effort. Exactly. Because people that are focused on numbers, power numbers, and even heart rate, and their numbers start dropping, their power's gone down, their speed's gone down, and they're like, oh, but my heart rate's really high. Should I be looking at numbers or pace? No, you should be going by feel. And your heart rate's high because obviously in humidity, your heart rate is going to be a lot higher when it's in hotter conditions. So that just means that you've really got to focus on perceived effort. Like in the heat racing in 89 degrees, 100% right, but you're 100% right that um, your heart rate can be 10, 20, 20 beats higher than it normally would be at, at um, in a cool conditions. So that's where you might if you're focusing on your heart rate and your pace is not what you're thinking it should be, if you're so focused on numbers, you're going to be freaking out as to why am I running like 10 minute miles here and my heart rate is the same as it was at home when I'm, when I'm completely like um, recovered and ready and race ready and tapered, but I'm running like, you know, two minutes per mile slower. And that's just because of the heat. That's why rate of perceived exertion is so important, but you also need to train your body um, and I get that. You need to train your body on how to listen and feel your body. I could literally tell you what my heart rate is throughout any workout, but it's practice. So it's okay to, to use it at first just to get a guide. But I would say, honestly, for easy workouts, especially for long aerobic stuff and in the pool, get rid of the garment. Do not be wearing that um, for the pool, especially because it, it affects your catch and you need to think like a swimmer and use the clock. But for the easy runs, like feel, it should be just feeling easy. You should better have a conversation. Most of our long runs, we give our guys aerobic. So we say, go aerobic, get rid of the garments, stop gauging yourself. We don't care how fast you're running, just get time in the legs. And the same for the easy aerobic bikes. And then you can build on that. But I agree, your heart rate is definitely higher at altitude and it's definitely higher when it's hotter temperatures. So if you don't know what your heart rate is, if you can't feel that, you've just got to practice listening to your body a little bit more because you should be able to tell 
if you're running redlining it at like 170, 180 heart rate, if that's your high-end threshold, or if you're running at like 140. You should be able to know that without even looking at your watch. So just practice that. Like use your watch to get a gauge and then just practice that feel. Um, but that's a great question. Um, okay, let me see. So we're going into race taper. So we're going into race tapering for, uh, let's do, okay, Ironman and 70.3 are very, very similar. So we start to taper back about two weeks out. Um, so we will cut back about 70% of the workload two weeks out. So let's talk 70.3 in Ironman. So two weeks out, we start to cut back and taper back. And we would do, say, uh, let's say two to three hours on the bike for an uh, for a 70.3 at the most. And the same for an Ironman, no more than three to four hours aerobic on the bike. And if you're two weeks out, we don't do a high ton of intensity. We do some shorter efforts a little bit of strength work um, to get those uh, muscles switched on. And then the same with the run. You cut the run down to about, say, they've been doing two, two and a half hours, and I can explain more if you guys want to know why we don't run more than two and a half hours. That's a whole other story. But for Ironman, you would be cutting down to like an hour 40 max, hour 45 max two weeks out. And for 70.3, an hour 20, hour 30 maximum two weeks out. Okay, and then a week out, so we're talking the weekend, two, uh, two weekends before, then the week out, before an Ironman, um, this is how it usually looks for us. So we always have a day off and we either plan it on the travel day or we plan it, say, on the Monday for them to have a legs off day after their kind of decent weekend. They're sort of like eight days out then, so it wouldn't have been too much of a long weekend. But we give the Monday off if they're if they're traveling and can still train on the travel day. Otherwise, we give them their travel day off, which we say try to do it on Thursday or Friday at the very latest. Um, but if they ha- ideally, if you have the Monday off, we then then do um, or a little, just a little swim, just a little swim to recover. And then we usually do our key brick, pre-race brick on a Tuesday. Um, sometimes it has to be a little later, depending on people working and their family and stuff. Sometimes I used to do mine on Wednesday or Thursday, but Siri pushes it more towards the start of the week because most of the time we're raining athletes in and they're going too hard. It's a good problem to have, but not not race week, right? You've, you've done the work. It's not the time to be pushing yourself. So we'll do a sprinkle in a little key brick, key brick on the Tuesday, which might be, um, say, for Ironman and 70.3, um, usually like, say, an hour on the bike with, like, say, four by five minutes at just on race pace, no harder, or depending on the athlete is how, you know, we structure it. So Ellie Salthouse, for example, loves going hard. So Siri would give her a little bit longer effort so she doesn't go too hard. And she'll say, let's just do these at 70.3 race pace effort or a little under, depending on who the athlete is. That's where you have to come in and know your athletes and how they train. But I would say like four by five minutes or for my guys, maybe my age group guys, we do five by three minutes at race pace effort, no harder with long recovery, like one 30 minute recovery to three minute recovery. So they're getting good recovery in between and then jump off, do a few turnovers. Our key workout for the run for speed and in the legs for all athletes is say five by 20 seconds fast, 100 RPM cadence or 200, 200 steps per minute and then 40 seconds rest, stop completely so that your heart rate's not going up. Do five of those and then go to like four by two minutes at race pace effort or depending on the athlete, if they're going to overdo it or underdo it, you change the times a little bit. You could do no more than two minute efforts, even one minutes, but you only do three or four of them. Okay, then you feel good. You're not fatigued from that. You shouldn't be anyway if you're conditioned. And then that's it. Or easy little swim in the afternoon if you want to. A kick set, a kick recovery set, flush the legs. Wednesday is usually an aerobic bike, like no more than two hours. Really easy. My age group guys that are working that have family and work full time, they would do like an hour aerobic bike ride, add a bit of strength, five by one minute, big gear in your time trial bars. And then um, more of, say, a strength swim with a little bit of speed, um, we'll either do that Tuesday or Wednesday where they're doing just 50s and 25s hard at race pace with a long recovery. It might be 16, 25s, um, build one to four with um, on a 30-second cycle for the guys that are swimming like 15 seconds per 25, so you want at least 15 seconds rest, something like that. Then 450s, um, say re- pretty hard race pace on long rest, like a minute rest. Then you might do two 100s at race pace or hard um on at least a minute rest and then a 200 like at race pace perceived effort so your Ironman or 70.3 race pace perceived effort. you might do one set or two sets of that then like a pull set after that 3k max um 
Thursday is usually, uh, what do we usually do Thursday? A little jog Thursday. Um, Friday will be, um, then it starts to become whatever feels good for them. So Friday might be a swim on the course and a spin on the bike. And then Saturday, sprinkle in like 15 minutes of everything. Um, or 30-minute bike, say 15-minute um, swim, 15-minute run, something like that. Check your gears, check everything. Um, and that's basically our race taper. So, yeah, let us know if you have questions on that one. And we stick to that pretty much. It almost guarantees that you'll feel good for race day if you've done the work. It's actually an amazing taper. And we actually have um, a free taper plan when anyone signs up to Steam Series Tri Club. I did put it at the top, guys, if you want to go to the link, if you're not a member, we have a free month membership for anyone on here. So if you go to www.teamseriestriclub.com right now, um i think becky can pop it up um that will have a little pop-up that comes there if you click on that link and uh teamsterstriclub.com and you'll have a free month membership for anyone you'll see the little pop-up come up and here we have a special guest hi everybody look at my amazing wife oh come on don't embarrass me she doesn't like when i love on her so we're just going through some questions if you have any questions you want for siri right now quickly put it up she can't stay long because she's literally been hasn't stopped since she got home from upw event um just today um and i see here uh like i love that these pop up look for me i weigh 50 kilos yeah. so is it one gel every 30 minutes oh so it is one gel every 30 minutes easy to remember Mm-hmm. So Nessie, um, so the twenty-five grams, yeah, perfect, exactly. And Nessie, tell us how your nutrition's work. I don't think we've ever had an issue with nutrition for you. And Nessie's one of my athletes. She's basically winter age group in every single race. You're amazing. Um, she's Ness. racing in two weeks. Yeah. So thank you, Ness. Um, Masumi has a question. Yep. Okay. So what's your favorite way to heat train for half or full Ironman? Say for us early races in May. Oh, that's a great question. Um, awesome. Oh, you want to do your first or do you want me to go first? You can um, give a quick advice. I can give because my... Because we're in winter. It's freaking snowing here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Masumi... How cute's my wife, everyone? Look at her. Well, how cute's my <laughs> wife? Um, so, Masumi, what I used to do... Um, couple things and I don't know how I, how healthy it is you don't want to do it a lot you mm. know maybe like once a week at the very most right. but I would wear way too many clothes I remember with you guys and with my squad yeah. we would fill the basement room where we get our wind trainers with heaters mm-hmm. and it would get like to 90 degrees and everybody's breathing heavy it was humid and it was like perfect training. Did yeah. you find oh, that? Yeah, it was good. It was perfect. Yeah. And you wear too many clothes too. Yeah. But you have to, here's the key. You're gonna wear all the clothes, you can have the heaters on. You've gotta be drinking, you've gotta be hydrating just like you will at that hot race. Because if you train like this and you're not hydrating, you could really put yourself in a hole and you don't want to do that. So you wanna treat it like you would race day in the heat and humidity and same thing for the treadmill right you can run on the yeah. treadmill and in, the heat, in the heat just, yeah it's easy to simulate it really and this is really crazy and i can't believe i did this but i won the junior world champs and i really think this was a big part of our strategy and i thought my ukrainian coach god bless ukraine right now by the way this man yeah. amazing influence on my life michael urshu his past now see what's happening there and it almost makes me tear up because he was such a beautiful soul and I'm kind of glad he's not here to witness this, but he was my coach and he was so hard on me, but he had me put my bike trainer in the sauna with the door open and I thought he was freaking crazy, but it's so worked because Cleveland was going to be so hot. It was summer and in Australia it was winter, even though it's not that cold there. It was really humid. The humidity, I never felt humidity. It was dry where I lived. So put my trainer in the, I'm not telling you guys to do this, but it's a humid race like Kona and you can't simulate it. If you can find a sauna and have your trainer half in, half out with a little bit of air on you, because remember, guys, when when we're racing, you got to remember there's still air flowing. So don't think you're cheating by not having a freaking fan on. Like it still has to be hot, but you can have a fan on your face because that's going to simulate the wind. Like you want the, the the sweat to be evaporating off your body, ideally. You don't want to be dripping all over your bike and yourself. And it's not cheating to have a fan on. I had this same conversation with Leo, but just a little bit of a fan on your yeah. face, right? Because because that's simulating like it is harder sometimes for, for, for spectators to watch in the heat with no moving 
wind then it is Kona for me was hotter watching than racing I can tell you yeah, right now uh, it was hotter watching it was horrible because yeah. we didn't have that wind um, yeah. running and riding so we put I put my trainer like in the sauna like half in half out like yeah. it's crazy but it's humidity training and another um, thing I used to like to do sometimes with my athletes is if you have access to like a sauna a hot tub and a cold pool we would do um god how would we do it we would go sauna to the cold pool cool. hot tub to the cold pool, sauna to the cold pool, we hot tub, to. and I don't know. I, I don't know what the science is behind it, but I did no, that and I feel like it works. No, it's all adaptation for sure. It 100% yeah. works. Uh, thank you, Siri. You're amazing. Happy um, to help. Do, so do you want to – you can go. I don't have to stand up and hold your hostage here. Um, Nadine's asking, how do I ease back in – hi, Nadine. How are you? Hi, I Nadine. didn't realize who it was. Um, how do I ease back into training after a mid-season B or C race? 70.3 during full Ironman training. Oh, okay. Well, if it's just a 70.3 and your your A race must be an Ironman. a full Ironman, yeah, 70.3, the good thing is that you recover, you still recover quicker than an Ironman. It doesn't take you quite as long, but you still absolutely need to be recovering. And sometimes I would be so sore from a 70.3 that I would need like at least seven days where I, firstly, you don't want seven, you want seven days with no quality at all. So give them a rundown quick, real quick. So I would do three days, one day of nothing, okay? Or if you really feel kick like you need to loosen up, do or, yeah, 30 like minute 15 minutes, kick set in the pool. Yeah. The next day, nothing. Third day, just to swim. You could do like a decent aerobic swim. Mm -hmm. And then the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like your long ride should be shorter, like two if, hours if max. You do four, do two. Your long run should only be an hour. Yeah. It should be an easy week easy. with, I would say, at least one and a half um, full days off. Yep. So, and no high heart rate. And even no. that next week, be really careful. If you're going to do sprinkling a bit of speed, do like double the recovery. Like if it's a minute like fast, you want to you don't even want to be doing more than a minute really. Although for the pros, like we'd get pretty much straight back into it. But if you're still feeling sore and fatigued, like just listen to your body. Like I always say, like listen to your body. Like do double the recovery. So if it's a minute strong, do two minutes easy. Siri just did a back to run program and she's on what are you up to now? Like well, tomorrow three, three I'll minutes. probably do three minutes on jogging, two minutes walking, um, probably Five times? Right. We're not saying yeah. that. We're just saying she has an amazing – for anyone that's has a bionic hip replacement, we have a back-to-run program now. For anyone that's injured or is coming back to running, we have an amazing yeah. back-to-running program. We yeah. can talk about that another time. But, Nadine, I hope that helps. Um, but, again, listen to your body because if you try to push now when you're a little sore, that's when you're going to get a niggle and you could get an injury. So I would say that definitely be really mindful of that. Um, thank you, Siri. Siri. You're incredible. How incredible is my wife? Okay, stop embarrassing okay. me. You can go now. Bye, guys. You're amazing. How long would you train like that? I bike indoors with no fan. Okay, you definitely want a fan on your face because, again, you've got to simulate that. You've got to let the sweat absorb off your body and you've got to simulate the wind. Like, don't think that having a fan is cheating because it doesn't make it cooler. It just blows air. So I would definitely do the fan. Um, it's 85 and everyone. Perfect. Biking, I'm usually fine. It doesn't translate for the run. Should I run with a ton? Yes, run with a ton of layers. Exactly. Use your beanie, use your um, your your sweats, um, your pants for sure. If you can get a treadmill, if you can do it on a treadmill where it's warm um, indoors with even a little bit of clothes on, that's going to help simulate it as well. But the good thing is this adaptation, if it's happening on the bike, it should transfer to the run. It really should because um, your body doesn't know if you're biking or running or swimming or whatever. So it should translate temperature-wise for your body to adjust and get acclimated. But um, but if you can't simulate, don't worry, because if you're doing it on the bike, then that's – I didn't really simulate it on the run that often. I would do more towards the bike because your body doesn't – as I said, doesn't recognize what, what exercise you're actually doing. All it knows is it has to acclimate and adapt and, and adjust. So um, I would say do the whole session. Um, do say your uh, – if you can do – I mean, this is the thing, right? Maybe you have, say, a Tuesday or a Wednesday high-intensity bike workout. You could do that. Um, that would be perfect if you have a Saturday long brick, three hours or so, like bike with effort to do that. But then I would say that be very careful doing that every weekend. Like maybe if the longer one, because it does take it out of you and you have to be really focused on electrolyte and salt and nutrition and hydration every second weekend. 
right? Every second weekend would be enough. And then every other week you're doing the shorter bike workout. And you will notice at the, at the temperature, at the hot temperatures, and we're at freaking altitude, double whammy, your numbers just aren't going to be, if you're looking at numbers, this is where I say get rid of them because they're going to be lower. Your numbers are going to be lower. Your heart rate's going to be higher. That's just how it is for acclimation, for heat and for altitude. As soon as we go down from altitude, the benefit of us living in altitude, I'm assuming in, in Boulder, at like a mile high, is that we go down to altitude, we feel amazing. Our heart rates are automatically 10 beats lower um, running at sea level. It's a huge advantage, and that's why people do altitude training. Same with heat and cool. If you've been training in Kona, then you go and race a cooler climate or a warm climate that's not as hot as Kona, your body is so freaking fit because you're constantly training that high-end, like working in humidity and heat, and you're just it's just going to feel like a breeze. When, uh, and we used to train up to Brett, and I really felt it. I thought that was a huge advantage coming down to sea level. And it takes about 21 days for your uh, red blood cells to recycle or they survive for 21 days. So you have that advantage for about 21 days. So but think about that when you want to acclimate for, say, uh, a race and you want to do some high-altitude work. If you go to Vail for two days, you guys, and then come down and race, if you're tapering, go up to Vail for two days, 8,000, 10,000 feet, come back to Boulder, um, uh, f four or five days before you race and you're going to have way more oxygen. Like, it's just amazing. So here we go. Any more questions, you guys? I think I got through most stuff. I was going to quickly touch on, we still have a few, we have still have 20 minutes or so. I was going to touch on race day, um, actually race day strategy. So let's go with breakfast first. Um, ideally, if you're doing a 70.3, you've carved up lunchtime before you've had your carbs. For me, it was like rice um, or bread. I didn't always do pasta. Or I found gluten-free pasta. I don't like eating gluten. It's inflammatory. We all know that. So um, you'd have rice, a bit of chicken, a bit of protein the night before. Um, and I didn't carb so much for a half. Before an Ironman, you have to carb from like three or four days out. Like you should be carbing up from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, start to back off Saturday lunchtime so you don't have a full gut. You don't feel like the Michelin man Saturday night for a Sunday race. But Race morning, it is important to eat. It's still important to eat, especially for a half if you haven't eaten, you don't have to carb as much. But for an Ironman, like sometimes I just didn't feel like eating. I would just stick to exactly what I was used to, which was honestly peanut butter on gluten-free toast. And I'd still have my coffee. And the caffeine hit does work. If you can go without coffee for the week before and then have coffee morning off, there's definitely an advantage there. But I would have that and just be sipping on my water and my electrolytes. And I'd have it about three hours before. And then I never took a gel pre-race. I feel like that's more psychological and everything because basically you have all your glycogen stores by then. That's really not going to help other than if you're hungry, which we're usually not because we're too nervous. It's more psychological. And then race date, again, we talked about how many grams to have on the swim bike run. Remember getting out of the swim as well. Um, you want to make sure you take replace all the, the fuel lost in the swim and then calculate out how many hours you're going to be on the bike and the run and just accordingly. And I already talked about how many grams. It's one gram per kilo of body weight per hour. A lot of nutritionists work on 300, 400 calories, but I feel like depending on body weight, that can change. Like some people may need 200, some may need, you know, 500 calories. So I feel like grams of carbs for me worked well. I never had an issue with that, but it's all your own personal needs. Hi, Shannon. Why? How are you? Um, so race day, um, quick tips for race day. So I would say rack the bike the day before as early as possible. Get out of that expo. Don't be hanging out there. It's too hot. Um, get away from that. And, um, and and race day, you want to, I would get in there early, at least an hour before you race. Set up the transition. My little sneaky tip was always have something. I'm just going to shut the door because my wife is deciding to play her video really loud. I can hear that, babe. She's so funny. When she's on, I have to be dead silent. When I'm on, she just forgets. But anyway, um, so my little tips for transition is always have the bike racked and look at a landmark. Like because when you run into transition and you have no idea where your bike is, like I would sneakily either tie like a little ribbon um, somewhere on the end of the rack. Like I don't know if you're allowed to do that anymore, but I would make sure I looked and I thought, okay, there's the F2C banner. Okay, my bike's between there and there. I'll just mark something, a landmark that isn't going to move. And then my towel, this is a little trick because you have a maximum of how far you can have your equipment out. But I would lay my full towel all the way down 
So it was just sticking out a little bit more than everybody else. And I always use this a yellow Australian um, team towel. And the yellow, I just go yellow towel. Okay, so landmark, there's my bike rack, yellow towel, go. That's where my bike is. So just think of things you can do just to recognize your bike because there's so many freaking bikes in there. So I would do that for transitions. Um, quick tips for wetsuits. For wetsuits, I would say we did this at our camp. You want to put baby oil, serious cooking spray. I don't really like the smell. I don't know if it's good for your wetsuit either, but baby oil on your arms, on your wrists, all the way up your shoulders. You want Vaseline on your neck so it doesn't chafe and so it doesn't restrict you. You want, um, yeah, oil on the arms here and here and on your shoulders, right? Put the oil on your shoulders because then it glides over your shoulders because a lot of the time when you dive in for a race, it pulls down straight away and then you feel pressure here and pressure on your shoulder. Put the oil on your shoulders, like both shoulders, baby oil, um, and the same thing on your legs, on all in your calf muscles. I have huge calf muscles and wetsuit used to get stuck and oil down the bottom of your ankles as well to pull that off. Um, another little trick with the wetsuit, I used to cut my wetsuit and all the top swimmers do this too, the Jody Swallows, all the girls that were top swimmers when I was racing. Um, I would, oh, sorry, I just put the chair back on my dog. Sorry, Bizey. Um, He was snoring, so I woke him up. So I would cut my wetsuit, you guys. Like, I'm going to show you on my leg right here. So I would cut the wetsuit to literally about there where this sock is. So just below my calf muscle, I'd cut it there because you see everyone at the start line sometimes, their wetsuits all the way down on their ankles and then their feet float above the water. You want your feet under the water. So cut your wetsuit. This is no joke. Cut your wetsuit with a good sharp pair of scissors just below where your calf muscle finishes and it'd be way easier to get off. Okay, don't cut your sleeves unless they're too long, but the sleeve you also want to have up a little bit too. Plastic bag. Put your arm, I don't have one to demo, arm through a plastic bag when you put your wetsuit on, plastic bag all the way up, same with your legs, plastic bag over your foot, pull your wetsuit up, plastic bag over the other leg, pull it up. Give yourself the biggest wedgie right up camel toe for girls. As far as you can, pull it right up so it's gathered. So when it gathers, you actually want to see gathers in the wetsuit like this, guys, gathers like this, pull it right up. You literally have to have a frontal wedgie. Okay, same with the arms. Um, pull the wetsuit down and get gathers in the wetsuit and gathers up here. If you have little like crinkles almost, like looks like wrinkles, big wrinkles of skin, gathers there and gathers there. Have that room because when you dive in, again, the wetsuit's going to pull down. If you put it on and it's kind of already tight here, when you dive in and start swimming, it's just going to go down and it's just going to really pull. And I would get a little bit of water and tip it into the top of my wetsuit so it all went through. I put a little bit of water in my sleeve, pull that down, a little bit of water in this sleeve, just a little bit, like only like say half a cup. It comes out. And then go in, go for a swim, come out and do that all again, that whole adjusting again. All right, so you can practice that. Like that's a really good wetsuit tip for putting on wetsuits and definitely be practicing in that wetsuit for like at least a couple of weeks before. I used to do about 10 swims in it, even in the pool, and rinse it out properly so it doesn't damage the wetsuit. But speaking of wetsuits, we have Zone 3, 40% off for all of our members. Um, and I have talked about F2C2 and we get 25% off for all our members. We have the best sponsored deals out of any club in the entire world because, thankfully, sponsors like Rudy Project and Quintana Roo were sponsoring Siri and I as athletes, so we get huge discounts, almost a pro deal. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So we've talked about wetsuits. I'm trying to think. Any other tips? Um, goggles, if you put a tiny, 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 like this much, guys, like, Two mil of water just in the bottom, not so it's half full and you can't see. Tiny mil of water in the bottom of your goggle, they won't fog up. Um, the other thing you can do is um, washing up liquid. If you put a tiny drop in that and circle it, if they're depending if they're old goggles or not, if they're ones that you've used for many times but they're faves, put a little bit of washing detergent in there, rinse them out, clean them out. Don't use a towel to drip it out. Just Rinse it underwater and then let them dry and then clean the outside. It's much less likely to fog up. Um, but new goggles before a race is always the go. Oh, the other tip, swimming um, for race day. Try to do the swim. Say you're swimming at 7 o'clock, your wave start at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. When If you can get there Saturday and swim at 7 o'clock to see where the sun is and your choice of goggles, whether you want mirrored goggles, clear goggles, whatever, um, it works 
way better to know where the actual sun is and then you can choose which goggles you want because it was always good to see where the sun's going to be and then check landmarks like do the swim swim in or swim out to the first buoy just so you can see where the sun's going to be i think that's really good to do that too um any other tips i'm thinking oh elastic bands on your bike shoes um i can't demo this excuse my snoring dog here if you tie a little rubber band, like a, do I have a rubber band? If you tie a little rubber band, okay, here's one. Just pretend this is. Tie this around, then not one like this because this won't break. I'm in a rubber band. Put one around the heel and then one around the crank on both shoes. You should have them clicked in. If you haven't, I can teach you. You should always click your shoes and it's way faster. And then they'll just snap off. And then your shoes don't spin in transition. You won't lose the shoe, won't flip off your bike. So a little rubber, rubber band. All the ITU athletes do it. Um, I learned that from doing ITU, um, which is the, the drafting racing. Um, and then a little elastic band, elastic, not hair tie, it has to break, will just snap when you start pedaling and then your shoes aren't going to go anywhere. You're not going to lose them. So that's another little tip. Uh, make sure you have really good bottle cages so that your bottle just doesn't pop out um, during the, the bike and then you lose all your nutrition. X-Lab, one of our other sponsors, you guys get 30% off X-Lab, by the way. Um, they have these carbon water bottle holders and they're so strong and they stay on. Sometimes the metal ones, they move and bend and your nutrition pops out and then you're stuffed. So that's another tip. Um, that's about all I have, I think, for tips for race day. Oh, Brenda's saying, I have a great success using a drop of baby shampoo. Oh, there you go. I love that. Yes, yes, yes. Any other questions, you guys, for that? I can give you my quick recovery tips. Siri talked about after a race, how to recover. My favorite are, again, another sponsor, Norma Tech Recovery Boots because it feels like a massage every single day. It's that lymph drainage. That's why they were designed, how they were designed. Um, I would say my Hyperice for my Hyperice um, Theragun. No, it's not a Theragun. Hypervolt, it's called, I think, for store spots. And then cheapest, best biohack ever is Epsom salt baths, like Epsom salt in the bath, really hot um, for your legs. And I know a lot of people do the, the cold plunge stuff, and that's good for inf inflammation as well if you can alternate that. But Epsom salt gets into the muscles. And if you do an Epsom salt the night before the race too, so awesome. If you're Aussie and you can get Radox, that green Epsom salt, it's unbelievable. That was my big bio tip, bio hack before the race. I'd sit in a hot Epsom salt bath, like brilliant. And then just being really careful with your recovery and listening to your body. Sleep is so important. Hydration and nutrition, getting in protein right after the race. This is actually the protein that we use. I bought this up because we're doing a giveaway. It's the Pharma Pure uh, Vegan Vanilla. And it has 26 grams of carbs. It's all it's keto. Uh, it's all natural. It's also approved for athletes to use, sports uh, approved. Um, and it's gluten-free. And this is a new one. It's amazing. And I'm trying this one because I can't, I don't, I don't want to do any uh, animal products. But um, this is, um, this one's for Siri actually. Mine's more, mine's the pea protein. But this is the whey one. So this is all from um, grass-fed organic um, cows. So grass-fed. And they are humane as well. And, no, they don't kill the cows to get the protein. It's just their milk, just so you know, because we are big animal lovers right here. So, all right, so Zone 3 makes, let's have a look here. Zone 3 makes photochromatic goggles and takes care of having to choose goggles. They are dark when bright and clearish when cloudy. I did not know that. And you guys get 25% off. How amazing is that? So, again, guys, we've got a free membership right now. Just go to teamseriestriclub.com. It's coming across the screen, as you see, and click the pop-up for a free membership. We give full free month, no questions asked. You guys can just join. So free month, um, and you get access to all of our live chats, all of our free tips. We have strength conditioning every single week with Yvonne Van Vlerken, who is a uh, nine-time sub-9 Ironman world champion triathlete. She's number one in uh, Netherlands for many years. She won Roth several times. She's gone sub-9 hours multiple times, and she does a strength conditioning, triathlon strength conditioning session, I think, Wednesdays at about 11 Mountain Time, I believe. We also do live chats now every Monday at 5 Mountain Time. So, hi, Dan Mascarella. How are you? Yep. I say that, I, yeah, my favorite nutrition um, to alkalize the body, and we know how important alkalinity is, and please put your questions up if you have any, is the F2C greens. And you see use, people using lemon water, and that works for a few hours to alkalinize. 
But alkalinizing, basically what it does is it alkalinizes um, the, the body so that you can't, it stops you from getting cancer. Cancer can't live in an alkaline environment. So for us, it's very important after serious diagnosis. So F2C Greens alkalizes the body if you have it on an empty stomach for up to 24 hours, and it gives you all your micronutrients that you need. Every single micronutrient that you need is in F2C green for the day. You could do that without ever having to have fruit and, fruit, fruit and vegetables the whole day. I don't recommend that, but it's so good for alkalizing. And I've been told you're supposed to do it on an empty tummy, which I do now, and not eat for 20 minutes after. So and it, it's unbelievable. And it really is amazing. You see farmer greens, you see, um, sorry, you see athletic greens and all of that out there. But the good thing about F2C is it's athlete approved. So athletes that are being drug tested can take it knowing that it's a clean substance. Um, I think it's called, I don't know what you call that. In Australia, it's, it's I think it's USD, no, not USDA. But for us, it's USADA, Australian Sports Drug Industry Approved. And it's the same thing here. All the Canadian Olympians use these products and, um, there, a lot of them are gluten-free as well and all organic as well, all organic. So it's amazing. All right. I don't see any other questions. I've given you my main recovery tips as well. Um, you can't go past an Epsom salt bath and your Normatex and a massage. And I just want to thank you all for joining me. Um, we still have a few minutes. So if you have questions, pop them up. If you don't, um, I'd love for you guys to share this. Um, once it's downloaded or share it even now if you can um, share it on your page share it on your social if you think that it helped I want to bring just free tips to you every single week we're going to be coming up with a new chat a new topic so if you have a topic you want to talk about um, please put it on the comments and I will make sure that we get to that and also questions um, if you have pre-questions just dm me them or put it on the uh, post when you see it come up and we'll make sure that we answer them on here so Thank you, everybody. So awesome to be on. I want to thank Becky Knott, my amazing executive assistant who helped get this up and going and um, just so awesome. Oh, one thing, Dan Mascarella also does free yoga. He's amazing. Thank you, Dan. He volunteers this and does free yoga for Team Series Tri Club. I think it's Mondays, is it, Dan, at 4 Mountain Time? I don't know. I can't remember, but um dan thank you so we have that as well as the live chat as well as the strength conditioning or you know um, workouts every single week if that's not worth 37 dollars a month with and you guys get it all free right now um with all of our sponsors then what is i mean we get quintana Roo. oh i didn't do my giveaway we get quintana Roo rudy project um quick giveaway um I'm going to do this for, if there's anybody that hasn't taken um, advantage of the free membership, I'm going to give the first person to click on the free membership. Um, most of you I see here are already members, but you guys are going to get, tell your friends, you guys are going to get the World Championship Rudy Project official trucker, number one, Kona. So you have to you have to have gone to Kona to get this. And I'm going to give away a sample of my um, vegan protein powder. Um, sorry, my whey protein powder sample. So, yeah, that's for anyone watching this. With the first person that does the free membership, um, and it is absolutely free, is going to get this cool trucker. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Woohoo. Love you, Brian.